As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Press play. Datapunks, fine wine aficionados, and social thinkers, Jeffrey Cologne and Cheryl Metzger are your hosts of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. It's another episode of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Disruptive FM. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey Cologne. And I'm Cheryl Metzger. And uh, we're back with another episode. A lot, of, a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the world of uh, brands and marketing and uh, also the internets. What have you read recently, Cheryl, on the internets or seen that uh, you, know, you want to talk about to our audience? Well, you know, I always like sifting through articles about policy, geopolitics, but nothing caught my eye today more than this hilariously awful, fantastically terrible article from the New York Post, which everyone is talking about. I don't know anyone who hasn't seen this or talked about it today, um, which is really uh, perfectly titled, Why I Won't Date Hot Women Anymore. Oh, um, also, also interesting to note that the URL um, the code or, you know, the script that's in the URL calls the article, why hot people aren't worth dating. So I like the nice, <laughs> the nice rephrasing of it. So maybe they're not worth dating or why this particular gentleman won't date hot women anymore. Um, but it, it definitely started a whole conversation among friends and, and acquaintances, um, around how just unbelievably superficial people are when it comes to dating, um, the sort of entitlement that a lot of people feel. This is, of course, based in New York. I, You and I both lived in New York for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I even, when I, read, when I read this, I even said, this is the one thing I do not miss about New York. I mean, I miss <laughs> yeah. a ton of things about New York. I do not miss this particular persona or attitude that came across in this article. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it sums it up. Um, one quote, the guy says, you know, I met some nice people, but realistically, I went for the hottest girl you could find. And they, um, <laughs> they have this great, uh, this great um, quote underneath the photo of him and his now fiance, where it says, Dan Roshkin used to date swimsuit models, but he's happier now that he's engaged to a merely beautiful woman. <laughs> so he's really, he's slumming it with just an average beautiful woman. Merely beautiful. We might merely note, beautiful. you know, merely beautiful, not, uh, you know, stunning. Yeah. Um, but, but it was, it was really interesting too, because, uh, a couple things stood out to me about the article besides how hilarious and satisfying it was to read about such awful people. Um, but one of the things that stood out is, you know, this guy is a 40 year old man in, in finance. They note that he has a full head of hair. So, you know, he's kind of a typical stereotype people are used to in New York, but there was also the flip side stereotype, the 23 year old PR girl. Um, and oh, this 20- we've met them. We've met them, Cheryl. We've met them. For sure. In fact, I don't even want to use the term that I use for you know the twenty-three-year-old PR hack. Uh, I mean, <laughs> representative. But yes, I, I, I digress. Go continue. No, I mean it just was interesting because I think we're all. You know, we're we're so quick to say, oh well, this forty year old finance guy, what a douche he is. You know, he's yes. he's the stereotype. But actually, young people are just as superficial, just as quick to judge, um, and and basing relationships that should be pretty serious things on such such irrelevant criteria, um, or such with such lack of depth, um, that it just showed me that it, it wasn't something of a particular generation that superficiality isn't something that's just owned by men. It's not just owned by people in a certain age group. It's not even owned by people in a certain region. Cause you know, when you talk about superficiality, one of the things I noticed about this article is a lot of people didn't read beyond the first paragraph or two. So even our consumption of the article is superficial because people reacted to the article as if it were only about men and how men date. When in fact, if you keep reading, you see it's actually also about women and how superficial women are when they're dating. So it interesting. It just sort of revealed how um, flippantly we kind of react to things both from the actual substance of the article and then also how people reacted um, to the headline instead of, you know, taking the time to actually see what the story was about. No, I think that's a problem we see a lot in social media now. I mean, there's science, you and I have talked about this, that most people share based on just, you know, the title. So you Mm -hmm. have people that will title specific things, and it almost goes back to, you know, 100 years ago, yellow journalism. It was all Mm -hmm. about the title. It was all about the headline, because that's why people picked up a newspaper on the corner, whether they were on their way to work or on their way home from work. And we really haven't moved away from that because I think at the end of the day, people are, you know, we're irrational, we're humans, and also we're just suckers for reading (laughs) crazy, you know, stories on interesting people. But, you know, I agree with you. I don't think one generation owns, for lack of a better term, you know, superficiality. And I think what. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and I think the interesting thing is that you know we we do judge a lot of people on these vanity metrics. Like we almost mm-hmm. love them. Uh, you know, I mean, I think we're all guilty of it. You put a picture up on Instagram, and it's not just the amount of likes, but how fast you're getting those likes. Oh yeah, you're almost judging yourself. And I yeah, 
I, I think it's, you know, wrecking society. <laughs> to put it lightly. Yes. Well, you know, it's funny because when you talk about yellow journalism and you look at, you know, how social media also today kind of capitalizes on reactions, um, you see how, you know, for a long time, a very long time, really the currency that we trade on is emotions. Um, yes. And, you know, provoking emotions is what journalists have been doing for a long time. It's what people do. Um, it's what brands do. And I think it's sort of interesting to see that when you um, treat that currency in a cheap way, you have a, a more superficial relationship with it. Um, then you're going to have the kind of the same kind of unstable relationship that this article talks about in romantic situations that like if you're just connecting with someone as a status symbol, as a reflection of yourself, you don't spend any time getting to know who that person is. That's a that that currency is pretty cheap that you're yes. trading on. I would whereas, agree. Whereas like if you go to other places and you see how, you know, people um look for a partner based on values and based on having shared life goals and deeper reasons for being together, they have more stable relationships. And I think, you know, we see that with brands too, that when they invest in the person that they're selling to in knowing who that customer is and being human in their interactions with that customer, that relationship is on much more solid ground and the currency, that emotional currency that they're exchanging with the customer is um, a lot more valuable. I mean, think about this. You're in a relationship. I'm in a relationship. I've been married for, I don't know, 12 years, I think. Don't. <laughs> wait, I guess I should know how long. But in any case, I mean, <clears throat> when we look at relationships, we know how much work goes into them. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that misses from some of these relationships and the superficiality is we don't ask people – what they like to do. We sort of pick them based on what they do. So the guy Mm -hmm. who is like, hey, I got a swimsuit model. (laughs) I mean, that may last for a period of time, but then if you don't have anything in common, it doesn't really last. And there's nothing there that really makes you want to connect with that person over a period of time, as as you're alluding to, you know, really understanding who someone is. And I think when we think about that and we use the analogy of the brand world, it's like a lot of these companies don't even really understand who their customers are. They just assume, well, this is who they are. This is the yeah. persona that we've drawn up, which we talked about in you know a previous episode. And then you know, it just that, that always leads down to a path where eventually the brand is like, you know, do you still love me? And the right. person's like, no, I don't love you at all. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have no commitment to you whatsoever, which is different from people who really want to understand each other, really want to connect with each other, really want to uh, like each other more than love each other. And that's going to make sense to those listeners who are actually in a relationship. You, you know, liking someone is very different from loving someone, very mm-hmm. easy to fall out of love, very hard to not like someone uh, after you've liked them. So I think there's uh you know, I think that I think the thing we're getting at here is, you know, you know, brands have to, I think, invest, especially if they want to be more human in how they engage with really understanding who their, you know, their customers are and getting away from a lot of these the, the superficiality that we see, like with this guy, you know, not wanting to date <laughs> hot women anymore. 
Well, and I think you you also raise a really important point, which is that relationships take a lot of hard work. And I yes. think when you go into the marketing space, you go into the brand space, I hear this so often where people are like, oh, we, we know who our customer is. We don't, oh, we don't have the budget to do research. Or, we, we talk to a handful of people. We know what they're like. And it's like, so you actually don't want to put the time or effort or consistency behind actually knowing. You That's just right. want to make some quick assumptions. Yes. Um, and I think the, the reason that is so important in both you know, regular relationships and brand relationships with their customers is precisely because you're going to mess up at some point. And if you have done the hard work of really knowing who your customer is and you've been not superficial in that you're willing to acknowledge your faults, you've addressed when there are small issues along the way, then they're much more able to navigate a complex situation with you or a, a bad brand experience with you. And it, it actually reminds me, I had written um, an article on LinkedIn a couple months back about how brands, when they're thinking about their overall customer experience, should start by looking at where they fail the most often. Like, where does it break down? And among those places where your brand could break down, I was saying you should sort of divide into two categories. Look at where does it break down the most frequently? And then where are those moments where when it breaks down, it has a really strong emotional um, impact on your customer? And those are kind of two things in relationships too. It's like where are the kind of everyday problems that you should probably think about changing those sort of little negative habits? And where are there issues that are so big that if you don't, if you don't plan for them and address them now, they could be complete deal breakers. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you if you look at if you start with where you're not doing a good job, and then you know solve those problems, then you can find all kinds of ways to bring the the lessons that you learned in those situations up to the higher level and create a customer experience that's consistently good because it knows how to manage through disastrous situations with the customer. You know, Cheryl, you, it, everything goes back to this book that I read recently that I think all of our listeners should check out called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Now, <laughs> this book, forget the title because a lot of people think, oh no, what is this really getting at, is exactly what you said. You start with the hardest things because those are the most challenging, but if you can actually improve in those areas, everything else comes a lot easier. That's why when you think about, you know, fitness, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to do the hard things. I just want to do the simple stuff. But it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you stronger. It doesn't make you faster. It doesn't give you more stamina. That takes a lot longer because you're just trying to get there the easy way. And I think, you know, as you're stating here with, you know, how brands approach a lot of things, it's like, hey, let's, let's try to Let's try to solve the easy problems first because the more difficult ones we'll just save for later. But as we know, having worked on so many different strategies in the past with clients and brands and everyone else, that gets pushed off for years. Oh, yeah. And that never really solves itself and it just leads to other gaping wounds and more mishaps, which we've seen quite a lot of lately. Which I yeah. would love, you know, for us to address in terms of what's happened with a lot of these gaffes recently with some of these brands. Yeah, well, I mean, leading up to that, it, it makes me think. Um, I know you and I had talked offline about um, 
there was this book that's coming out from an unlikely source from Ben Sass, who's actually a senator from Nebraska, um, who's a very interesting character. And his book is about the vanishing American adult. And the, the reason that comes to mind in this conversation for me is he, he makes a case for how becoming an adult is often about allowing children to confront difficult situations and confront them bravely um, and with maturity. And you only, you only develop that kind of bravery and maturity from having to confront difficult situations. And he's, he's a big proponent of being able to confront difficult situations that are both, that are uh, uh, lots of different types. So um, an intellectually difficult situation, an emotionally difficult situation, a physically difficult situation. Those are kind of the building blocks of true adulthood. And one of the things he talks about is how few of us have those building blocks these days. Um, We we're very uncomfortable navigating uncomfortable situations, which may sound obvious, but you know, the ability to confront something that is not comfortable to us, I think would do us a great service in being less reactionary on social media um, not being so quick to judge a news story and, you know, waiting for facts to come out, um, being a little bit faster or, or taking more time rather to examine a situation and examine ourselves. Um, and so when it comes to some of the things that you and I have talked about in this past week, you know, you look at United Airlines, you look at Pepsi's huge debacle, those two things and even Sean Spicer, um, you know, the three kind of big I'm sorry's that were in the news this past week. Oh, yeah. A lot of those come from the brands or the speaker or whoever it is involved, not examining their their words, not examining their policies, um, not examining, you know, their tr- their customer experience. And, and similarly, and, and this may not be as popular a view, I think, you know, at least in the case with United, the passenger wasn't considering his impact on the people around him and how his behavior um, might be making a situation even worse than it could have been. Um, so it, it just seems like there's this tone deafness because, you know, the people running brands and the people who are customers of brands are no longer taking the time to to think about the situation and to address um, discomfort and to um, be thoughtful about complexity. You know, you bring up an awesome point, which is how many times have we been in situations where no one knows how to react because mm-hmm. they didn't realize that things could go south? So right. I love these, you know, strategies where they're very clean processes, very linear, very much, you know, step one, step two, step three. And, um, you know, I even get this when, you know, people give me one star on the book that I wrote. (laughs) Most of those are people who say, it doesn't have any tactics telling me what I need to do. And I Mm -hmm. sort of laugh at those people because I'm like, that's not how the world works. That's not how the world works at all. And you and I, have always, I think, tried to be more open to the fact that each situation requires different thinking and different empowerment. And what you're missing in a lot of these situations is someone probably at the top at one of these companies 
thought, hey, this is how everything works. I'll sign off on that. But they didn't talk to anybody in the field, Cheryl. Right. They never talked to anybody who said, actually, here's like 15 scenarios, and that's just a few. There could be upwards of 100. Right. 15 scenarios where the the plan you have is a bunch of BS, and it won't work. And then you don't empower these employees to creatively figure these things out. I mean, we just have a bunch of ticket takers now at a mm-hmm. lot of these companies. And I think it goes back to a crisis of leadership that we're at. It goes back to a lot of smart people saying, I don't even want to help these brands figure it out. I'm just going to go off and do something else because they would rather you know, do it themselves and creatively uh, do something else. And it just leaves us in this situation where I, I, I think you're right. You have a lot of customers who say, hey, I'm very demanding because I paid a lot for this and I want this and I should get that. It leaves a lot of brands saying, well, no, this is our system and you got to fit into that and there's no way to actually you know, break out of that mold and figure something out that might be an alternative to the scenario that we have. Right. And it just leads to a whole – you know. Disaster. It's just a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think we need to talk more about these difficult scenarios. I love that you and I are able to speak on them because I think when you work in the agency world, which we, you know, which you still do and I did for a long period of time, I mean that's what you deal with daily. Is like, mm-hmm. hey, guess what, Cheryl? There's a fuck up. And we need help. And you're like, okay. (laughs) But the customer doesn't see that necessarily. You're like working behind the scenes, but you're trying to understand, well, where's the customer having issues so I can actually make this more human? You know, there's not – many people don't think that way. They're not very, you know, customer-centric or people-centric. They're really just thinking of like, what's the way that we process this? How do we make it efficient? How do we scale it? They, right. you know, it's almost like they should go into work where they're, they're, you know, I almost should say, hey, you should really become a coder so you can build an algorithm because that's really what you want to do. But that doesn't yeah. fit with how people behave. So, right. Well, and I think, you know, I, I would almost encourage anyone who wants to be reflective on this to start with how are your relationships today in your interpersonal life? Because if you have a strong relationship with people. If you're honest with people and you feel like you um, have connected with people on based on shared values and uh, mutual support and, and those things that are really important to a stable relationship, then you're probably going to run your business the same way. And you're probably going to have a strong, for instance, professional network because you don't connect with people as extensions of your own resume or as a status symbol. You connect with people because you genuinely like what they have to say and you genuinely like working with them. And similarly, if you're running a brand... You're not going to say, hey, I see this superficial thing. You know, the the Pepsi commercial is like the bikini model, you know, and the Pepsi executives are this oh 40-year-old gosh. douchebag where they're yes, like, Yes, oh, we that- went there, folks. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're like, hey, that's a hot topic. You know, that's sexy right now. Let's do that. And it's like, wait, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense for nope. who you are and what you want to be and you what matters to you. You sugar water and co-opting, <laughs> you know, collective movements. Right, because it was hot. It was hot at the time. That was the new young thing for Pepsi to take on a dinner date. And you know what? That date didn't go very far because um, that's not how you build a relationship with people, by co-opting something that's very superficial. And the same thing with United. They... 
you know, they're trying to have a superficial relationship. They, they're managing so much every day that they don't have the time to, to plan for the disasters that can happen in their customer experience. And if they had, then they would have had a whole host of other options for dealing with a customer that wasn't cooperating in the way they wanted or, you know, addressing their poor policy choices. And similarly, if the customer who was, you know, really unhappy from that situation was the kind of person who could understand the complexities of a business. You know, we I feel like we are all we're all so entitled as customers these days because digital technology has allowed us to feel like everything is in our control. Everything should be immediate. We should never have discomfort. If we were more comfortable with complexity and discomfort, he might have understood that airlines aren't doing this just to make a passenger's life miserable. There's a whole host, a whole domino effect that one late crew arriving at another airport and missing their flight has on the entire system. And not that every passenger needs to understand how the airline industry works, but my point is we're so unable to deal with discomfort and we're so unforgiving um, that we don't even, we're not even human towards brands and towards businesses that have challenges because we just, we don't expect there to be any anymore. Everything should just be perfect and simple and fast. And I feel like both brands need to be less tone deaf, but I also feel like customers should be less tone deaf, that it's not easy to run a business and there are going to be hiccups from time to time. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe setting up uh, more true customer relationship management engagement channels mm-hmm. uh, that you just don't turn to when, oh, things have gone south, I need help, but really help with engagement day to day right is just so key. Um, you know, I don't know many people, and you bring up a good point, I don't know many you know, people that will tell me, hey, I love you know, this one brand because I actually use them. And I reach out them to t- you know to tell them what they're doing that's actually good. I only reach out to them that you know when I'm telling them that you know when I want to tell them something bad. Right. I think if you can as a customer, you should actually you know reach out when things are actually going well because that feedback is listened to a lot more. We really are moving more into a world where people are listening a lot more to figure out you know is everything sort of working like people would like it. Um, and no, we don't just want the survey information <laughs> right. uh, to give us that. We want real-time information. That's why people will literally ask in stores now, you know, how was, how was my service? And, right. and you can say, oh, I thought it was wonderful. Now, of course, you could lie. Uh, but, I mean, usually they will do that when, they, when, when you've run into a problem. Uh, right. Because they want you to actually say, you know, hey, I don't know if this was really like I think you made it difficult, and I, you know, now I have to go talk to corporate to figure out what's going on here. Um, you know, all these things I think you know can all this information and all this communication, we, you know, it is used or it should be used, and I think uh, you know people should continue to tell companies, as you said, when they are doing things well, and at the same time. You know, if there if it, if things aren't going well, then it's also important to 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 tell them, but not just when something has happened that you you would identify with, so that you can just you know show outrage. I mean, right. what happened with United? I'm sure a lot of people were outraged, and and you know I feel them. We're all humans, but I think the next time you're in a situation when you're flying, if something bad happens, 
that's when you should actually go and say, hey, look, I'm trying to be nice. I'm not being a, you know inhuman here, but this is this sucks and here's why. And if right. you actually approach it in a human way, and I've done this quite a bit because I know you and I fly a lot, people are really open to that. They're much the the the, uh, the employees are much more open to that, especially if you're not being an asshole. But you're like, right. hey, you know, look, I know you're having a bad day, and I know things can be tight, but like, here's what's you know, here's what's happened. Is there any way that you can you can maybe help me here? Uh, nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll they they do really want to help. I mean, we all are social animals, and we, I think we want to you know, um, uh, be part of sort of a collective. But, um, if we just, if we just wait to let our temper run, I mean, nothing really gets solved. <laughs> well, and you bring up a really good point too, which I, I keep finding the parallels endless with just an interpersonal relationship. Like how often do people in a, a long-term relationship just tell the other person how much they appreciate them or say, thank you for the little things that they do every day. They don't, most of the time they don't. And it, most people are not very good communicators in relationships. And again, that just extrapolates out to the rest of our lives. So if you are not appreciative and not a good communicator, you're probably not a great customer or not very appreciative as a customer. You're probably not a great brand manager. You're probably not a great em- empathic marketer. You might not be a great leader either. You know, in all of those situations, if you aren't able to get the interpersonal relationships right, you can't get the larger relationships right either. And similarly, if you are the kind of person that lets someone that you love know that you appreciate them, you're probably going to be the person that goes out of your way to say thank you for good service and be a good customer and help a brand to be better and to stay good by letting them know that there are also opportunities for positive feedback. And if you're that kind of person, you're also probably going to be um, a much more sensitive brand marketer where you're really paying attention to what are the tensions that matter to people and how do I speak to those tensions in a way that's responsible and sensitive. And if you're a leader, you know how to understand what motivates people and incentivize them. And you know that it's not just a stick, but it's also a carrot. Um, and so I feel like it's all about having an, a strong interpersonal relationship skills and then being a responsible customer and being a responsible brand and being a responsible leader by leveraging those skills. So what's our takeaway for our listeners on this particular episode? They should just... Don't be an asshole. <laughs> Isn't that always why? I think that's been a takeaway on a couple of the past episodes we've had as well. Well, but, it's a uh, continuing theme. That's a strong one. I, I think if I don't be superficial, way, basically, that's really what we're also trying to yeah. say too. like, look, really try to get to know who people are, really try to get to empathize with both sides of the scenario. Well, and get comfortable being uncomfortable, and and that's part of being an adult. I think that's another part of the theme is there's this you know this article on why I don't date hot women. That one of the subtexts is this delayed adulthood, this idea that you don't have to be an adult or face adult decisions or make decisions in an adult way. And that was you know part of Ben Sass's book as well. So that would be my takeaway is. For whether you're a customer, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're a brand marketer, be an adult. You know, take take decisions seriously. Um, look for more depth before you leap. Um, and yeah, be be a responsible citizen. Yeah, try to understand. I guess the complexity of the situation and that each situation is unique unto itself, just like yes. all of us. Like the snowflakes we all are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Where can we find you on uh, the interwebs, Cheryl? I'm, I'm on Twitter at the real Cheryl M, and that's Cheryl with a C for correct. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Twitter at DJ G-E-O-F-F-E, DJ Jeffy. And of course, you can tweet to both of us at Disruptive FM, or you can participate in the conversation and tell everybody how much you disagree with us. We love people like that using hashtag <laughs> Disruptive FM. And uh, yeah, we'll be back soon with another episode. Is that correct? That is correct. Until next time, we'll catch you then. You've been listening to an episode of Disruptive FM, the marketing podcast for eccentric minds. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Purchase a copy of Jeffrey's book, Disruptive Marketing, and follow us on Twitter at Disruptive FM. Signing off from the cities of Chicago and Seattle, press pause. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.